I'm going to be talking about new life in Christ today, new life in Christ. Very excited that everybody can join us and celebrate such an incredible day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to start off with sharing a little story that some of you may find uh, relatable. I don't know if anybody has been in that place where they have, you know, maybe if you, if you grew up, I don't know, and, and came to Christ any time in like the 80s and the 90s. You prayed a, a, what we called a sinner's prayer. You went home. You thought your life was just going to be grand after that moment, and you found yourself doing the same old thing and dealing with the same old thing in your life. Well, a lot of you don't know me pre-Christ days, um, but before Jesus uh, I struggled with a lot of stuff. And then after Jesus, I struggled with a lot of stuff. Um, but man, when I, when I think about my life and I think about, as all of us have when you grow up, there are things that you open the doors to in your life. And I had opened the door to a lot of different things in my life, but I, there were a few things that I struggled with that really crippled me as a person because every time I would do these things, my, my shame my depression, my mental state, my spirituality would all fall apart and I would run away from God, not run towards him. And there was this, there was this moment I went away on a retreat. Anybody ever been away on a church retreat before? I see your hands, yeah. So I went away on a three-day retreat and it was glorious. You know, when you get away from the city and you go and you experience what nature is for real, uh, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, you know, I live right next to Owl's Head Park, and so we would call a forest the little grove of trees in Owl's Head Park. Yeah, you, know, you all ever see that grove? To me, that was the forest. If anybody said, I'm going to go to the forest, we all knew what they meant. They were going to Owl's Head, where it was the most trees we'd ever seen in one spot in our life before. Uh, and so you get to see a real forest uh, out in the world and get away from the hustle and the bustle. And while doing that, uh, we, I was in an environment of prayer. I was in an environment of preaching, of worship with other believers that came single-mindedly. And we came with that purpose. And that, that weekend, I experienced euphoric, amazing things. I made a lot of declarations, things that I would never do before, do again. And... That whole weekend, I was good. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever struggled with chronic sin, but to go through a weekend without just going through your chronic ailments is amazing. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm delivered. I'm good. I just can go back home, and I'll be good. Now, if you haven't heard my story, I had crippling um, insecurity. And so I could not go just a minute without trying to please other people, without thinking, what is this? Every decision I made in my life was about what other people would think and how to get other people's approval and how to, and, and not only would I look for other people's approval, but I was living a lie. My life was a complete lie because I put on a mask for everybody so that they could see the version that I wanted them to see, this good little Christian's kid. I'm a pastor's boy, and so everybody needed to see the perfect Christian's kid. And so in order to live that life, I had to lie about who I was and what I did. And so struggling with this crippling 
sense of insecurity that I, I always thought, I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life, and the best thing that I can do is hide it. And I also struggled, I don't know what the age range here is, but let's just say I went to other websites a lot that I, didn't, I wasn't supposed to go to. And every, I mean, you couldn't leave me alone for an hour because there's, that's where I would find myself. And I always told myself, no, I'll have the willpower. I'll have the tenacity today. And then there I was back. And so I come back from this retreat and I thought, man, everything is going to be better. And one of the most sobering things happened to me that night. I find myself back on a website thinking about, everybody I was going to have to lie to because of how insecure I was and about how I was going to cover this up and the mask I was going to have to wear because I promised everybody I was going to be accountable from now on and how I was going to curl back up into this lie of a life that I was living. What I found that experience to be, unfortunately, is the typical Christian experience that we live from moment to moment, from experience to experience. And the scripture I want to read today talks about how to live a life that is not crippled by sin and the things that the enemy has tried to identify ourselves by, by saying, not only is this your character, but this is your personality. I believed a lie that my DNA and my personality was shaped in a certain way that I would always deal with these things for the rest of my life. And so I want to read from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. If you have a service sheet, you'll be able to read along with me. It's a quick verse, but it is an important one for us to understand. Paul the Apostle writes this. He says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. The first thing I want to talk about here is that, that, that one phrase that Paul uses, baptism into death, to be baptized into death. We as Christians must first die in order to experience new life. We first must die to experience new life. But what has happened is many of us have never completed step one of following Jesus, which is living into this death, which is seeing our old life completely stripped away and crucified with Christ and put into the grave. We haven't seen truly the death of the old ways in our life. We haven't been baptized into the death of Jesus. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, just a couple of verses later, Paul explains what he means by being baptized into death. He says this, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. See, the reason why I realized I was not baptized into the death of Jesus is because I was still enslaved to sin. Being enslaved to something means that you do not have bodily control over what you do and how you act. Instead, whatever it is, that sin, that personality trait, that flaw, 
has control. So no matter how many times I told myself, I'm never doing this again, I'm never gonna lie again, I'm never gonna go to that site again, I'm never going to find myself in this place again. What happened was every single day, chronically, I found myself in that very same place. See, I was enslaved to my sin. The thing that I didn't realize was that in order for new life to move in, the old life had to pass away. See, Jesus wants us to understand that we must kill the old ways in order for new life to come. The old life has to first die in order for the new life to enter into us. The old ways, the old life. I want to I want to unpack literally anointed my computer with oil so that every time I sinned I felt worse cuz oil never dries and it was always dripping across on my skin on my screen. <laughs> like if you ever thought you understood shame, you don't understand shame how I understood shame, a pastor's kid. And I thought I would do all these symbolic things, these mystical things in order so that this old life would die, but I never did any of the practical things. I never changed my calendar. I never changed my priorities. I never changed how I woke up in the morning or how I went to sleep at night. I never changed what my lunchtime looked like or my weekdays. Everything else stayed the same. See, when the old ways need to die, when, when our old self perishes, that means our Calendar, how we used to do it, dies. That means our habits, the routines, the things that we do automatically every day need to die. That means our morning time, our daytime, our nighttime, all the ways we used to do it. Our spending habits. I'm getting a little too real with that one. I'm sorry. It's Easter. I'm not supposed to get that, that much, but I'll try. Right? All of those things need to die. They need to perish. Because everything that we keep alive from the old life will cling to our heart and keep the door of the new life closed and not allow the promised life of Christ to enter. You see, baptism is a symbol of what should have happened in our heart. When we go and we get baptized, again, it is not a mystical solution to all of our problems. Instead, it is a symbolic representation of what has already happened in our heart and in our life, that when we go under the water, we are entering into the chaos. We are entering into the world of sin. We are being immersed by the death of the world. And we are symbolically saying, this is the world, this is our old life, it has immersed us, it has taken over everything that we are, it has taken over my life, my time, my habits, my to-do list, my job, everything. And when we come out of that water, we are proclaiming that Jesus has brought us out from death, out from chaos, out from the place of the world, the sins of the world, and has given us new life. We are saying we are leaving the old things behind and we are entering into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a new life. 
New routines, new habits, new daytime, new morning time, new evening time, new friends, new everything. That I was living in a world of symbolic mysticism without actually living out what Jesus had called me to do. And one day I, I was trying to be real with myself. I'd heard a message that somebody said, do you know why the reason why you still sin is because you love it? And I was pissed at that preacher. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You don't know me. You don't know what I love? I hate it. I'm shamed by it. There's not, if you would ask me one thing I would change, it would be this. And I carried that weight and that burden on my shoulders every day, every minute. I felt the weight of that, the pull of that. Yet I was sitting with God alone, and as God loves to do, the Holy Spirit came. And the answer that Paul gives here, this last line that he says, is that we too might walk in newness of life. We were raised to walk in newness of life. See, Jesus gives us a completely new lifestyle. A completely new lifestyle. I want you to break this, I want to break this down practically. If our habits and our routines and our calendar and our priorities does not change, then we have experienced a moment and we have not experienced the resurrection. Do you understand that? When I went to that retreat so many years ago, I experienced a moment. I did not experience the resurrection. And too often our Christianity is based around one moment to the other instead of experiencing the resurrection every single day in our life. And we lie to ourselves that we can go another day without Jesus. But when Jesus taught the disciples to, to pray, what did he say to them? Give us this bread, our our daily bread. Give us our food, this daily bread. Daily bread. Daily bread. What does that mean that we go before him every single day for our food? That without him, that is what death is. The further we are from him, the longer we go without communion with him. That is what death is. So, so much so that when we experience the resurrection... We realize my whole life, my heart, my time, it changes. And you know, it took me probably a decade to understand this because of the lies that I had to untangle in my head. If I serve Jesus, I'm owed this. If I go to church, I'm owed this. If I say this prayer, I'm owed this. No, we're taking the product of life with Jesus, communion and fellowship with the believers, serving towards others. Those are the products of the indwelling of the spirit, the fruit as the Bible calls it. But it does not replace products. If you serve from an angry heart, you are going to the product looking for the source. If you give with malice towards God with your bank account, you are trying to go to the product as the source. 
How do I serve in joy and go be with the believers in joy? And how do I give with joy? And how do I live a life with joy amongst all the trials? It is because I live with the source of joy as my daily bread every day. That when I wake up in the morning, he is the first one I attend to. When I go to sleep at night, he is the last one I speak to. When I am having lunch during the day, he is the one I worship and I praise. That I don't care what my job says. I don't care how needy everybody is around me. I don't care what this world says that I have to do. The only one that I first and foremost attend to, that my calendar, my life, my priorities, my to-do list, they all revolve around one. And that is the Christ of life. Church, to walk in newness of life equals to live out a new lifestyle. Do you understand that? A new lifestyle. A lifestyle is a change of everything. When we come before the resurrection, we realize my life was dull with these things. This is real life. The older I've gotten, it hasn't been the less time I spend with God because I have it all together now and all my sins are gone. No, the older I've gotten and the more mature I've gotten in Christ, only my need for him has been realized even more that I must spend more time with him. I must go to him even more times than I thought. When I thought I was good, I realized I wasn't and I need him more. Have you added Jesus to your routine or has Jesus become your routine? That question should haunt us because we need to live honestly with ourselves. Church, if you wonder why I'm so obsessive that we read the Bible every day, that we pray every day, that we live out in community and reflect every day, it is because I know there is only one answer to all of our problems. There is only one answer to our death. There is only one answer to our depression. There is only one answer to our loneliness. There is only one answer to our life, and that is Jesus. And if we have a church where we do not prioritize reading and praying and living in community around the scriptures in Christ, then what are we doing? We are playing church. We are sprinkling on Jesus as a good seasoning to our meal. But his word is not our meal. Today as a church, or I should say tomorrow as a church, we start our next daily Bible reading. And I know many of us here have started and have failed and started and have failed and have started and have failed. Guess what? It is better to fail a thousand times than just to fail once and give up. That's why Jesus calls us to faithfulness. Another way of saying that is to perseverance, to, as Paul said, run the race. It is in the longevity of life to keep going to him. A thousand times I may fail and a thousand times he picks me up. 
We are doing this as a church because we recognize this sole truth in life, that there is only one author of life. He is the only one that have the words of life. He is the only one that is the source of life. He is the only one that we can go to that will give us all that we require and need. And so today, I want to encourage you. Do not add Jesus to your routine, but instead make Jesus your routine. Make it so. All of my willpower, all of my motivation, all of what I have does not go towards defeating sin. It does not go towards being a better person. It does not go towards serving. It does not go towards preaching a good sermon. It does not go towards any of that. It goes towards one thing, getting before the presence of God because I realize he is the only thing in my life that is good. So I wanna encourage you. John is going to share all the details. We have a lot of copies, if you want the physical copies of the daily Bible reading. There's, they're gonna be at the table in the back after. We're gonna start them tomorrow as a church. I'm gonna post up tomorrow morning all the different groups that you can be a part of. I wanna encourage you two things. If you don't wanna be a part of one of the groups that we have, take some of your friends and read the Bible with them. Pray through the Psalms every day. Reflect on the goodness of God's word and who he is. Don't just think about what can I get out of today's reading? Ask yourself, what have I learned about God and how does that change my life? We should first plan our day around when we will spend time in the word and with God in praise and in prayer through the scriptures. We should then do this with others in our church and then we should invite others who do not do this to do it with us. That is literally everything we believe as a church. It is community, it is discipleship, it is prayer, and it is doing all of it missionally. Church, if we form ourselves around one thing, let us form around the truth that the word of God is the only living thing that can give us true life. Amen? Amen, I'm gonna ask you to stand. In the back, we will have some of our prayer team back there. If you would like to receive prayer for anything, I wanna invite you to come and to receive prayer. At any moment during worship, we will pray for you. And I want to encourage you. Jesus is beckoning us this very moment. He's beckoning us tonight. He's beckoning us tomorrow morning to be with him. There is nothing in your life that you can do that would be more important or would be better for you. That is the truth of what I have learned. Even though my work may seem more important, even though caring for my family may seem more important, even though feeding my body may seem more important, there is nothing more important. There is nothing better for you than to be with God. Let's worship.